Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Hi, and welcome to another episode of 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. This is Melissa Fradenberg with Pearl Planning, Gross Point. And today I'm joined by Jamie Wilkerson-Majney, a CPA. She specializes in small business accounting and individual returns. And in fact, our topic today of tax considerations in divorce, not only is she a CPA, but she also recently went through a divorce of her own. And so the goal here is really just to touch on some of the things that you should consider when it comes to your taxes, if you find yourself going through a divorce or recently been divorced coming up on tax filing season. So thank you for joining us, Jamie. We're so happy to have you. Thank you, Melissa. I'm glad to be here. I thought it would be a great opportunity to really share with our listeners who may be going through divorce or considering divorce to really talk about what some of those considerations or implications yep. of the divorce process are. Okay. Well, of course, like um, lots of things, everything's going to change after the, the divorce and it's good to, you know, educate yourself about what those might be. Um, so right off the bat, you're going to have some paperwork you need to, with your employer, you're going to have to change your withholdings. The biggest thing is your filing status will change. You know, you're going to be going from married filing jointly, and you need to determine if you're now filing head of household or if you're filing single. Um, now, when is that of- determination? Like, what is the cutoff date as far as determining if you're currently going through a divorce, but you're yep. about to file your 2020 taxes, what are your uh-huh. options for filing? Well, basically, if um, your divorce is final in 2020, anytime before December 31st, you lose that option to file Mary filing jointly for the whole year. So you would have so been December 31st of 2020, whatever your status is on that day, that determines how you can file. That's right. That's right. And so really, um, it it affects your whole year. So if you were forward thinking, you would have changed those statuses with your employer a long time ago, because you might get a big tax bill. Now, you've got to determine your um, filing status. And like I said, you're either going to be single or head of household. If you don't have children, you're single. If you have head of household, then that's when filing, you decide if you file head of household and what dependents you have, because you can have, you can be single and have dependents, or you can be head of household and have dependents. So they're actually two different things. Okay. And usually the divorce decree would determine that. There's some hard, fast rules about it. So you have to have custody at least 50% plus one day. But that means that only one person can file head of household. It is exactly what that means. (laughs) The only exception is if you have multiple children and one spouse has one child and the other spouse has the other child, then they both can be head of household, but that's the only exception. Okay. Would it be fair to say in most cases or many cases you would want to have that arrangement? Well, you absolutely want to have head, head of household is 
better than being single. And it's better because your standard deduction is greater. Okay. So for 2020, your standard deduction for somebody who's single is 12,400. And if you're head of household, it's 18,650. So that is a tax break. That that tax break is equal to your tax rate. So for those people who are going through divorce currently and maybe negotiating different factors when it comes to financial information, that would be something that they would want to look at is the ability to file head of household. Yeah, but they have to be able to have the custody. So that's head of household or single. Now, claiming them as dependents is different. The benefit of having dependents is different credits that are available, like your child tax credit. So if your child is under the age of 17, you get a child tax credit of $2,000 per kid. So that's why you want to have a dependent at the end of the year when you file a return. Now, so when you're divorced, only you or your spouse gets that dependent. You don't both get them. Yeah, you have to determine. So some people alternate years. Some people um, have them all one year, have none of them the next year. Um, And then there's some instances that you, the custodial parent will have the children all the time. That was just what they decided in the divorce decree. And sometimes that makes sense because one spouse makes so much money. They're not eligible for the tax credit. They're not eligible for the tax credits because they make too much money. Yeah. The lower income spouse did have the dependents. They're the only ones that would get the benefit. And so it makes sense for them to get that. Okay. That's good information to know. So if mm-hmm. you are going through divorce and there is a clear delineation of the higher earning spouse Absolutely. that would not get that credit, then it definitely makes sense for that lower income. Well, and there's spouse. other benefits for the lower income spouse to have the child as dependents. And this might come into play if the child's getting ready to go to college because the child may get more financial aid and that spouse Um, the lower income spouse get the child, the college credit. Interesting. Okay. That's good to know. I have a lot of people in that age range where kids are going off to school in the next few years. Um, Absolutely. Definitely something that our listeners would want to know about now. Yeah. So that was for tax filing status and credits. What about credits for COVID? How does that work? Okay, well, that's an interesting thing too. So stimulus money that everybody got last year was based on 2018 or 2019 taxes. In 2020, there's there's a new credit called the recovery rebate credit. And so maybe you got divorced in 2020 and your 2019 income was greater as a married couple and you weren't eligible for those stimulus payments. 2020 kind of trues that up. Um, so you might have a lower income and now you might be eligible for that stimulus. So you will get that stimulus when you file your 2020 tax returns. Let me just roll that back just to make sure that I understand what you're saying. When the stimulus checks went out in the middle of the pandemic in 2020, some people did not get them because they made too much money in 2018 or 19 or 19, which is what Mm -hmm. the government was looking at to determine whether you've got those checks. Now, yeah. if you file your taxes for 2020 and you actually would have been eligible but did not receive those checks, yeah, that will come through in the form of a tax return. That's right. Like a true up? Okay. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that stimulus money, if you did receive it in 2020, it's not taxable. Okay. I didn't know that, but I know many of our listeners may not be aware of that. So that's not going to be taxable income to you. Really good to know. Say that's another area where it's um, beneficial to be head of household and not single because of the limit. So if you're head of household and you make 112,000 or less, then you get the um, recovery rebate. If you're single, if you make 75,000 or less, you get it. So there's a big income difference there. Okay. So that may be something that you want. If you're on the cusp in between that area and income, it may be something you would want to consult with your CPA about before filling out your taxes for those who do their own taxes. And I do, I mean, one of the things I like with financial planning and working with women going through divorce is to really break things down so that people feel like they could do this on their own. Truth be told, um, using a CPA is often helpful, especially after a divorce when there might be some tricky yeah. things. So, and there's always new tax credits, and you know it's more complicated when your kids go to college. And yeah, so certainly if you have a couple of these things, you've gotten a divorce, you have kids going off to college, you didn't receive a tax credit but feel like you should have been eligible for it. Those are all things that may trigger wanting to have somebody help you file your taxes this year to make sure for you sure. get the maximum return. But again, just knowing the language, knowing, uh, I think for women, especially to understand, even if you're having somebody do your taxes to understand what the implications are and to really feel in control, some of these options. And, And it's good to know these things while you're writing up your divorce decree, because it is important to either be head of household or single. And it is important whether you can claim those kids as dependents. Now, I do want to go back to something you mentioned. So you talked about December 31st being that date Mm -hmm. that kind of determines whatever your status is that day. But if you know, and now some things you and I both know can be carried out longer than expected, but if you expect that you will be divorced or that it will be official by December 31st, what are some things you can do to um, sort of prepare yourself for that so you don't end up owing more on your taxes? Well, you can um, change your withholdings with your employer. Um, if you know you're going from married to single, you know, and then they'll take out more each pay period. But you can also hire someone to um, perform an estimated tax. You know, they can take your numbers like halfway through the year and figure out if you're on target. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about retirement assets and divorce, because mm-hmm. I know that's something that's something I know a little bit more about than um, tax filing status. So I'm feeling a little bit more in my comfort zone. But that's one of the biggest, I don't want to say mistakes, um, but definitely a tax consideration in the divorce process that I feel like is sometimes overlooked with the division Mm -hmm. of assets. Yep. Important to note that retirement assets, especially a Roth retirement account, checking account balances, equity in a home, it's not a dollar for dollars. So in the divorce process, when the divorce is finalized, you have a divorce decree, and that will mm-hmm. determine how assets are divided. Are split. Mm-hmm. Are split. Yep. And what what yep. are generally what's the tax implication of one spouse giving another spouse, whether it's retirement assets or equity yep. in the home? How is that looked at? Well, so that's interesting because the, there's no tax effect at the time of divorce. You know, things are just um, changed out. But as you were saying earlier, it is important that 
you have knowledge that all assets are not created equal. Like when you sell your house, there's no tax implication. If you've lived there, you know, for five years, if you have a capital gain, but if you have, um, you know, stock and you sell it, then you're going to have capital gains. So when you're going through a divorce, you do have to make sure that you have um, adjusted those numbers for what the tax consequence will eventually be. So meaning if somebody has an investment account outside of retirement assets and through Mm -hmm. the divorce decree, those assets are split, usually a percentage, either 50-50 or 60-40. It's usually, at least here in Michigan, pretty even if they are determined as marital assets. Um, That split in and of itself is not a taxable event, but an account that has taxable gains, you will eventually have the liability for those taxes. You will. Like, so if you inherit a checking account and it has $100,000 cash in it, you have $100,000 cash, period. If you inherit um, a stock account that is worth $100,000, well, you're, when you sell that and make that cash, you're going to pay tax on the gain. Okay. So that's something, I mean, that's something that you work hard with, with a lawyer when you're going through your divorce to, to equalize the assets as much as possible with the tax impact. Another thing we want to talk about um, is a quadro. I know you have a lot of experience with the quadro. Um that's when one spouse gets a retirement account, like a 401k or a pension plan or an ESOP plan. Yes. So it is a separate legal document that's going to need to be drafted. And it will, while the percentages of those assets are usually in the divorce decree, this will be a separate process. So once the divorce is finalized, I think one of the common things that I see as a financial advisor when people come to me is they feel like these assets are now in their name magically, whereas most of the time the attorney will let them know that they need to go through the process of having the quadro drafted, which is a separate legal document that's also going to need to be signed by the court and by both parties. And then it's going to need to be given to the company where those assets are. So whether it's um, a firm or whether it's the employer or the TPA that manages the qualified plan for your ex-spouse, then once that document is drafted, which can take months, just just so everybody is aware, um, once that is completed and signed by everybody that needs to be signed by, it will then go to the company holding that asset, whether it's a a 401k um, or ESOP, and they will divide those assets and put whatever percentage is yours in your name. And then most of the time you have the option with retirement plans of rolling it into an individual retirement account for yourself, or you can leave it there. Um, Again, most cases, some cases there are exceptions, but when it comes to the retirement assets, what is the tax implication of say, you know, you get 40% of your ex-spouse's 401k? So you have you have the option to roll those assets into a like kind exchange, like another um, IRA account or something like that. Um, and if you take that option, you can do the direct rollover and there's no tax implication. At the time, you also have the option to cash out some retirement plans if you need to. Um, 
And, you know, generally when you take money out of a 401k or any kind of pension plan, you always have to pay the, um, your ordinary income tax rate. But if you're under 59 and a half, you also have to pay a 10% penalty. With a quadro, that 10% penalty is waived because of a divorce. Okay. So even though we, we did just address that a lot of times those assets are more valuable, but in the case where you need assets, whether it's to purchase a home mm-hmm. or maybe buy out the equity from your spouse, if you're keeping the home, that is an exception to that 10% penalty. So it is. You could take, and it could be partial. It doesn't have to be. It could be partial. You could roll over a good percentage of it and cash out a percentage. And definitely, I would say that is another, if you're planning on doing that, that's another time you would want to consult a tax professional about your particular situation, because say you only need a couple thousand dollars from it, that mm-hmm. can push you into a whole other tax. You can lose tax credits. You could lose your tax, you know, your child tax credit. So before right. you would take that money out, you would want to do a good estimate of where you are with your tax for the year. Okay. Yeah. That always kills me when I see whether it's just $1,000 over. Yeah. Just a your tax bit. bracket. And all of a yep. sudden, you know, you could go from the 12% tax bracket to the 22 and that's yep. a huge step for people. All right. So that's good to cover that, but that's really interesting. Cause I'm, I think a lot of people going through divorce aren't aware one of the process of getting those retirement assets in their names or what advice, what I would advise is you have got to follow that quadro all the way through. And you should do it immediately when you get divorced, because I've heard of stories of five years later, people have not gotten that quadro finalized. Yeah, especially um, in markets like the past year or two, Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. values change quickly, you want to get those um, in your name and in something Mm -hmm. that you can allocate the way that's proper for your risk tolerance and your retirement goals versus your ex- any other things that stand out as far as taxation and consideration? What about alimony? But that's a big um, place where the law has changed. Prior to 2018, alimony um, was a deduction for the payer and the payee had to pay the taxes. So starting December 1st, 2019, that law changed and... Um, if you receive alimony, you don't pay any tax on that. Starting after December of 18. Uh, January 1st, 2019. Okay. So, and that's a case. Some people are going back and rewriting divorce decrees if they were prior to 2018. But that's another law that's important to understand when you're writing your divorce decree. If you're receiving alimony, you don't pay tax on that. So you're getting that dollar for dollar. Right. And I do have, I have some clients that were prior to that and they receive, yep. they do receive more, I find, right. in right. the divorce decrees. And to yes. understand the math. Mm-hmm. So if you, people will consult their friends, which is good. I think it's great when you're going through a divorce to talk to a friend that's been through a divorce. But if you're uh-huh. comparing money amounts of support, there is going to be a difference between the amount somebody was receiving that had a divorce decree prior to that change, because that was going to be taxable income versus now they, you might receive a lower uh, amount of alimony because it's going to be tax-free. It's actually worth a little bit more. So mm-hmm. now you're not paying taxes on that. How is that treated on your tax return then? It's um, in- it's just an information item. You do have okay. to report how much, but there's no tax consequence. You mentioned going back and rewriting. So what would be mm-hmm. the advantage if you had 
a divorce decree that was finalized prior to that change and you are receiving taxable income, you can go, you have to go back to court and renegotiate? You would, you'd have to just rewrite it. But, you know, there are advantages to doing that too. You're keeping your income level lower. So you're keeping yourself in a lower tax break and you're potentially eligible for more tax credits. Interesting. I would say even just from, I know with my own mother, um, Mm -hmm. she is receiving that and she has to file quarterly and have estimates. Yes. Yes. You don't have to do that anymore. The time and hassle. And the anxiety. I mean, she's always got this anxiety. anxiety. Like I have to have this account to pay taxes. Right. So that is something certainly, um, but expect a lower amount. So when that's renegotiated, expect a lower amount. And that's something that you could help people out with if if they have questions on what that income change might be or how that would affect their taxes. That would be something also to consult a CPA. Absolutely. Yeah. It's complicated. (laughs) I'll tell you what, I thought I knew a lot more about taxes before this podcast. So Jamie, I'm so happy that you're here to kind of shed some light on this, but I feel like taxes are one of those things where the laws are always changing. So you really always have to changing. keep on top of them. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about that drastic change in how income from your spouse in a divorce is taxed. That's huge. And that mm-hmm. is recent. So from right. January of 2019, and now here we're in February of 2021. It is. Yeah. Anything else you may want to consult your CPA on when you're going through a divorce? I would encourage everybody just to kind of make sure they understand the basic tax return. Jamie, thank you so much. This was so informative. And again, I know a lot, I've said a few times that you need to consult a CPA and we have a CPA here on this podcast, but it is important because every situation is different. And one thing you can count on with taxation and laws is that they will change. So (laughs) depending on when you're listening to this podcast, you certainly want to speak with somebody about your individual situation. And we will link Jamie's contact information in the show notes here. So you can get a hold of her. You are able to meet not just because of COVID, but you've been doing the virtual thing for some time now, right? Mm -hmm. I have. Okay. So if someone wants to get a hold of you, it doesn't really matter if they're in Gross Point, Michigan, or Um, anywhere around the United States, they can get a hold of you and you can help them out virtually. And um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Melissa. I enjoyed it. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter also found on our website.